but there are certainly things you can do that help it um that i could do more of for sure but then you it's it's the whole if you go back to a coaching philosophy when i say yes to that what am i saying no to and you know if i say yes to blue light glasses and, and red things i'll be saying no to something else in the way that i live my life at the moment Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating worlds of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and personal development. Our goal is to provide you with the insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier, and healthier life. If you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague, or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Paths podcast is for you. We invite you all to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Paths podcast. Hi, how you doing, mate? You're out in in Estonia, uh, enjoying a Mind Valley University conference, I understand. How are things going? I got your video earlier of everyone dancing madly in a room, enjoying themselves. Uh, How is it out there? That, that was that was just before the final session. Uh, so well, Paul McKenna, so Paul McKenna, the hypnotist, um, who people might know from the eighties and nineties, he used to have a show on TV. But um, I've seen him a few times actually. But he was doing a whole day thing, so I was there with that. It's really the first day. I mean, yesterday was just an intro day, uh, and I've been here since Saturday. Um, I haven't done a huge amount of partying. I went, there was a little social last night, but that was done by. 10.30 and then my apartment that I'm in is only five minute walk which is great but what's even better is it's right by the sea so I've gone in the sea the last three mornings and mm-hmm. I make that a habit up until probably the 15th so then I have to move apartment which is going to be further away from the sea I, mean, um, I live by the sea and I never ever go well I don't take the opportunity it's all those things it's on your doorstep you don't do it when you go somewhere yeah. it's not used to it, it has to be really on your doorstep though that's the thing because I'm thinking I think as you know I'm thinking of moving to Brighton but my criteria yeah. is I need to be within 10 minute walk of the beach or four minute okay. cycle because if it's more than that because I think you're more than that aren't you you're more than no, that. No, well more than a 10 minute uh, yeah I'm probably a 10 minute cycle yeah so it's just that little bit half hour walk yeah it's that little bit extra resistance that's the problem um, and so, um, so I really need this this morning because, um, for whatever reason, <clears throat> and you know, I'm all about my sleep. Um, I couldn't sleep last night. So we finished at like 10 30, came back here. My mate's staying with me for a bit until he sorts himself out. And I don't know whether it was excitement or whether the fact I'd promised people, uh, an 8 30 swim in the morning or the hot cotton sheets or whatever, but I couldn't sleep. And my aura ring this morning was, it wasn't too bad. It said I was red in the 70, which actually is not too bad, but normally I'm in the high 80s. I'm feeling quite tired. I tried to come back at lunchtime because we have a two-hour lunch break for a nap, but I had some work to do, so I didn't have any time. Um, so maybe sleep's a good co- uh, conversation to have, and I was just well, having a conversation with someone about that. Well, we're talking about sleep, interestingly. Uh, and it is, so I've just had a note literally pop through on my phone about, I don't know, five hours ago from my chemist saying that my prescription's in. So I'm, as you know, I'm on prescription drugs for insomnia. I've been on insomnia for... Something from here for, I don't know, 30 years. Long, long, long time now. But I don't really suffer days. It's weird. I used to suffer really badly. So chronic insomnia, I can go four or five days. I remember being sent home from work where I just hadn't slept for several days in a row. And my, my language, my thinking was straight, but it wasn't, I wasn't talking straight. It wasn't connecting with my brain. I remember my my boss at the time just sending me home and going, hey, you, just need, you just need to get home. Like, you, you're talking gobbledygook. Mm. um so it, it was worse it's been in worse days than it is now but interestingly when i run out of my medication 
it comes back. It's like a psychological thing here that, oh, I haven't got any in the house. Now, you know, and if I bring it with me, I, I don't tend to suffer. It's kind of a, like a comfort blanket. I know it's there, so I don't need it. Well, yeah. Occasionally I'll need it, but often I won't. But if I run out, that's when my brain goes into to like hyperactive mode and uh, I can't sleep. So I'm feeling a bit tired because I ran out of medication about three days ago. Sleep's been disrupted as a result. But I now yeah. know it's at the chemist. I can go and pick it up. I, I take Zolpidem, which is um yeah, uh, a, a very highly... Uh, prescripted drugs drug for insomnia uh, i would argue having tried most of them for those that do and un- have the unfortunate um circumstance of being uh, prescribed drugs to, to to sort the problem that it's the best one out there by some margin i think over five million people have it in, in the u.s uh, there's loads and loads of different ones but for me zolpidem is the one that's always always helped me out but it's a prescription uh sleep mm. still yeah um, i mean like lack of sleep i mean for me my sleep being lacking last night is probably what you would get on a really Good night, um, I guess. I had six and a quarter hours or six and a half hours. Yeah, bed. that's a good night. <laughs> five hours, 55 minutes of sleep. Okay. Now, for me, for listeners, I would normally want eight and a quarter hours in bed to get a good seven and a half hours uh, of actual sleep time. And I would normally run it about an hour and a half deep sleep. And I think I got 54 minutes last night. Um so I really notice it if 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 things are you know, deep sleep is up but the total sleep is down. But if everything's down, then I really notice it. Not too bad, but what I have to do and be mindful of, which is why I don't want to do anything tonight, is you know if I do that two, three, four days on the trot, I'm going to be more susceptible. And we'll talk about the things that sleep sleep do, which you'll, you'll be aware of. But one of the big ones, um, which is why I was really annoyed that nothing was like this mentioned over the last three years. But something that affects your immune system more than anything is your sleep. And if you yeah. don't get sleep, your immune system is going to be out of whack. And so I have to manage my energy over the period, which is why I've chosen to get an apartment by myself as opposed to sharing so that I can have a little bit more comfort when I sleep and also an apartment five minutes away from the the, the, the conference so that I can go back and have a little nap if I need to. And like today, I just came back and had dinner. And so I don't feel like I'm forced to go out and be out all day with people because it can get really exhausting and I know that sleep is going to suffer this next three weeks. That's a given. But as we were talking about on episode six, I think when I explained my beat model, sometimes yeah. you focus on one area, which in my case, this next three weeks is all about connection. Um, other areas might come out of balance, but I try to make them not so out of balance. So for example, the sleep I'm trying to manage. Uh, food, you can probably see, I bought my Vitamix in the corner there. Yeah, standard. So I'm trying to, and obviously I've got willing customers here wanting to have that. So my mate is uh, enjoying my smoothies and my stir. I mean, made a stir fry tonight, lots of vegetables. Um, so I try and do the best I can because there'll be times where I'm going to sacrifice things. Um, and so it's all about balance when it comes to the beat model. It's all about yeah. okay, what, and, and being more aware. Um, and I think that's a big thing with the sleep, actually, which I want to talk about maybe. Um, yeah, I, I think to be honest, you, you you talked in the past about your social connection being the one area that often gets you. I think the bit that gets me if I was to follow your beat model would probably be sleep. So I, I'm fully aware of the importance yeah. of it, right? I don't, I don't, I would argue I don't feel like I need it as much as others. And there's, there's a bit of a myth that we all, we all need exactly eight hours. We're all different people. But and we do not- adapt. So, you know, I, I you said, you, you know, it's not the amount of sleep you had is probably normal for me, and that's correct. But our bodies are very, very good at adapting to circumstance anyway. So I would argue that the impact on you would probably be greater in terms of how it would impact you in one day of, of six okay. hours to me, because I live on it. So oh, no, it's, no. It's, it's for you, if you were at this Mind Valley University thing, you'd have a pool because you wouldn't feel any different necessarily because yeah. 
you'd be getting about you'd probably be going to bed a bit later i guess because like i think my average bedtime if you look at my aura ring over the last few times i've done this is around sort of 1 30 or 2 a.m but that means like some nights i'm doing 12 and some nights i'm doing four or five or six so if you were going to bed on average say 2 a.m which should probably be i mean it doesn't ever get dark here that's the other thing like midnight it's still light and then it starts to get light again um so there'll be kids out till like midnight easily yeah so you go to bed at say two let's say getting up at i guess eight so that might be your like because the session start at 10 so if you want to work out and all that you get up at eight. so that'll probably be your normal day so you'd actually probably find it fine now i can cope no problem however i say no problem the challenge is and this is where i'm going to push back on you a little bit about firstly not everyone needs eight hours but most people i'd say 99.999 percent of people do need between seven and nine in general. If you're particularly an athlete and you need more recovery, like Roger Federer, who sleeps sometimes 12 hours a day during the tennis season, that's one thing. Or if you're ill for some reason, because the healing comes when you're sleeping, then you might sleep longer. If you have a specific gene of which less than one in 12,000 people have, then you can thrive on less than, say, seven or eight hours, like you know, seven or six hours. However, those people that think they can function well on, say, six hours, I, I, I would almost guarantee it's not. It's just because they're used to it. They don't ever know what amazing feels like um, because you can see it. You can see it in the face, right? You can see well, it. You can in see eye. the bags under my eyes. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a family trait as well. So I can't just well, call that. Yeah, it might be. I mean, what I would say is I always used to have dark circles under my eyes. Interestingly enough, and I just thought that was me, right? And I remember once my friend Trevor, he commented that how they'd gone and they tended, and it wasn't to do with sleep. This was to do with my diet. When I changed my diet, suddenly that all changed. Um, so I don't know, I mean, family trait or it's, not. It's, but... it's one of those things, right? And I, I could push back as well because it's something I've had for a lot of long time. And I, there probably isn't a right or wrong answer. I think I have this with my wife. My wife touches the pillow, she's gone. She can sleep yeah. anywhere and she's yeah. asleep with it. I don't know how anyone goes to sleep that fast because there's a, you know, there's, we're all different. There's sleep latency. There's how long it takes you to get to sleep. Some people are frequent, you know, go to sleep really easy, but they, they wake frequently. I'm not one of those. When I'm asleep, I'm asleep till the morning. My issue is getting to sleep. And traditionally, it'll take me quite a long time to drop off. And when my insomnia kicks in, I just don't drop off. So it can go on for hours and hours. In the end, I give up and, and go somewhere else. Um, however, and, I, and I'm not di- disagreeing with you. I just think there's a bit of an unknown ambiguity here about you know we all some of us claim that we don't need it i'm not saying i'm not claiming it but i don't think i need as much as you and actually someone who sleeps well and treasures their sleep will always have that argument more than someone that doesn't so we're coming from totally different angles of it what i will say is my about every quarter my my i'm obviously sleep deprived to a level because my body will try and catch up and i have three or four days where i'm just knackered and i'll go to bed early and early for me would be around 10 o'clock i know some will go to bed early than that that would be super early um, and I might be down for three nights in a row and I feel amazing. I feel good. And then I just, I can't, I can't sustain it. My body won't it actually cause the insomnia. So one of the quickest ways for me not to sleep would be to try and take an early night. If I say to my wife, and sometimes I feel like I need it, I'll go to bed and go, I need an early night and I'll lie there. And it's almost like my insomnia, my psychological system kicks in and goes, you've gone to bed early. This ain't going to work. And I'll, I'll end up having less sleep because I can't drop off at all. So it is, it's like, a, it is a bit like a torture. So I, I mean, think a lot of it when we hear it this, because, it's great, but it, it's it's not so solvable. <laughs> As in, it's I mean, like I don't necessarily disagree. I'd feel better if I had eight I, hours of but it ain't gonna happen. I, I come from a p- point of view that everything's solvable. That's just a belief, right? That, and that's a belief that helps me 
then approach things in a certain way because if i believe it's solvable then i'm going to keep working until there's a solution right you talked about not being able to get to bed very quickly um no, i'm not going to get to sleep quickly not, not being able to get to sleep very quickly so for me, latency period for me yeah so my sleep latency used to be and always all my life up until about 12 years ago was about 45 minutes to an hour now i thought that that was normal to, to, to take about 45 minutes from getting into bed. And I, but bear in mind, when I get into bed, I don't have a TV in my room. I don't have my laptop there. I don't have my phone there. I don't, so I'm not, I'm not reading a book. I'm, not, I'm just lying there. And it wasn't until I started studying sleep that I started to make, and also making other changes. So I'll tell you the things that made the biggest difference for me. Now, I'm not here to cure your insomnia. I know, I'll probably try them. I mean, I'm, I'm not one of these people that's trying to reject it. I, I know, I know. My is about now 45 seconds or a minute. It's a little bit longer now because I've stopped doing something that I was doing that made it easier, um, which I'll tell her. But one thing that hey, did keep it clean, me, keep it clean. Yeah, I, no, no, it's not that. <laughs> what, I, what I also noticed as well is I'm actually opposite to you in terms of when I do fall asleep, I'm quite a light sleeper. So, you know, I'll wake up. Um, Often I, I might wake up for the loo, if I, especially if I've drunk water in the hour and a half before bed. If I don't drink for an hour and a half before I go to bed, I tend not to wake up so much unless there's a blood sugar thing going on, which is why a lot of people do wake up because it's about eight hours after their last meal when they have a three o'clock wake up and that's your body trying to find food. But aside from that, um, one of the things I noticed is when I changed my diet, things became easier. But the big thing that worked for me in terms of latency was which I'm not doing tonight, which is the low level lights, the blue light blocking glasses, and then the meditation. Because if I meditate just before bed, technically I'm in bed for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I'm doing that breathing thing. So that when I then lie down and my bed hits the pillow, my head hits the pillow, that's when I have that 45 seconds. The last year or so, for whatever reason, I've just got out of the habit of meditating before going to bed. I do it in the morning. And then my latency's increased. Not by much, but still. That's like interesting. I'd, I'd, I'd probably need another ins uh, other insomniacs on. on to, 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 I've never studied anyone. I only know my own, my own level of insomnia and what I've been through. So I don't know how other people suffer. But interestingly, with meditation. So I, you know, I've, I've exper experimented with meditation, as you know, not, not to your level. I'll, I'll, I'm a big believer in trying to, um, you know, improve my well-being and 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 i'd love to be able to master meditation better and i'm working on it it's a continual progress but even then like i've got different gadgets we talked about in our last episode that i'll try and help me relax and whatever that is but if i start drifting let's say i start falling asleep on the sofa in front of netflix or whatever or i start meditating mm. it's almost like my brain has a signal that when i move to go to bed because i'm tired it, i wake up yeah. If, like, even if it's only a 10 minutes meditation or 10 minutes sleep on the sofa, I, I, I get really annoyed. If I wake up then, it's almost like my body thinks it's the yeah. morning and I then can't get to sleep for love or money. I kind of have to stay where I am. I, I daren't move if I fall asleep because I'm, I wake up. Meditation on your pillow in your bed. So in my morning meditation, I never do in my bedroom. I always do that in the gym. So there's a challenge there even with that and i've tried this that's probably actually when i uh, and again i'm not trying to to be a uh, just yeah. my own experience because yeah, i've yeah. tried most things and meditation in bed is one thing i've tried a lot i've also tried it along with sleep music which is hit and miss for me because the idea of sleep music has 
uh, if you get the really technical sleep music and there's there's loads of stuff out there that, that mimics the what the, your brain waves uh, there's no there's no um formulaic pattern so you yeah. your brain all those things and I've, I've done the breathing exercises i followed the, the navy seals formula for those that are in difficult situations and you can't sleep so I've, there's a process they go through to get sleep i think for me every time i try something like that and tell myself i'm doing it for the reason of sleep my my brain switches on and goes we're talking sleep and as soon as we start talking sleep i'm in that cycle mm. that says i'm not going to sleep I almost have to go to bed not thinking that I'm going that without the thought of sleep entering my head at mm. any point, and I'll drift off way easier. Can I interrupt? Do you do you have good dream? Do you have dreams? I'm a very lucid dreamer. Yeah, I dream a lot, and, I'm, and they're very lucid. I had two very weird dreams last night, which I'll mention in a minute if you want to read into them. Yeah, but so one of them, which is slightly disconcerting. Well, the reason I mention that is because recently I tried to. I think we've talked about reframing on a previous episode. Yeah, and I sometimes stay up recently a bit too late like watching the netflix or whatever and then i've reframed it is that actually the best movies that i tend to have or watch are the ones i'm in in my dreams i love my dreams a lot of the time in these good movies and so i've tried to reframe it to say actually i'm going to the movies or i'm going to like so by going to bed i'm kind of going to the movies as it were but i'm going to a really interactive movie and i kind of look forward to it sometimes um, so I'm just wondering whether there's, there's a reframe there or whether you, so rather than you're going to bed, you're going to renew your cells or you're going to... It's one of those things where I'm probably scared to, to try because typically that will trigger my insomnia to think yeah. about sleep. So I try not to. However, and you mentioned it earlier, the reframing piece is interesting. So I will reframe all the time. So the way that I'll tend to get to sleep if I'm struggling is rather than as most people who don't suffer from insomnia and have that odd night and they can't sleep and they know it's going to ruin the next day and they get the sh- and actually stress is the biggest cause of, of mm. pro- prolonging yeah. the issue, is that's the best time to reframe. So I'll say to my wife, if she ever has a very, very rare, very rare time when she can't sleep, we'll be like, look, it's just one night. Mm. It's just one night. Reframe it. D- d- your world is not over. It's just one night. And if it happens the second night, it's just two nights. And I'll reframe that way. It's when it gets to four or five, it starts going, now it's harder to reframe it. But the first night for anyone that's, it, that suffers this for the first time, well, I remember when I started to suffer and it was, and I, I know why as well. So there's a few things that, that triggered it. And I overcame the stresses that caused it then. The stress disappears as time always does, but the insomnia stayed with me and has done ever since. So I know I know for me, it's psychological. I know that. And mm. I've tried cognitive behavioral therapy. I've been in Harley Street. They've, they've, they've analyzed me and I'll talk about something I think is absolutely fascinating. And I don't know if you know about paradoxical insomnia. And that's what I want to, I, I'll talk about it because I think it's it's really interesting. But I mean, it, I've mentioned it because it links to dreaming. But um, I went to Harley Street to see if there's something that I was suffering from. Because I don't think I need as much sleep as other people. Maybe I have that gene you're talking about. Technically, um, more chance of being hit by lightning than having that gene, but yeah. <laughs> like you said, one in 12,000, right? So <laughs> there's there's how many billion people in the world? Yeah, that's it's true, true. It's possible. Uh, but like, I, I was assessed at Harley Street years ago. It would have been when I was in my previous employers. So we're talking 20, 20, 25 years ago, probably. And it was a really fascinating experience. They gave me some interesting tools and sleep wave music and things to take away with and all those kind of bits and pieces. Well, I was, I, I, something I want to talk about, I can bring it up now. So paradoxical insomnia is for a lot of people that think they suffer from insomnia, which is what I thought may have been happening to me, don't mm. suffer at all. They dream that they have it. Mm. And I think that's mad. So they will say, and I'll swear blind to you, that they have been awake all night. I've only had half an hour sleep. Mm. But the brain sleep wave patterns tell you something yeah. else. And yeah. they have they wake up, they have micro wake-ups, which makes them think they've been continuously awake. Yeah. But they, you don't remember them. And or they are fully dreaming lucidly that they're in the space they're in. They know the space inside as we do. Like, if we were blind, you could probably navigate your bedroom. Yeah. We know it so well that we dream very loosely that we are 
suffering yeah. from insomnia when actually we're fast asleep. And when you go to the sleep studies and sleep centers, I never knew this was a thing, right? And I, I came across it from a, um, years and years ago and I ended up so fascinated by whether there's something I was suffering from because I was so adamant that I was awake and I had no one else to verify it. Otherwise, I can get out of bed and do things. You can't do that for seven, eight hours every, every no. night. But I, went, I, I went to Harley Street at the time and got myself assessed and I don't suffer, but that was... It's a really interesting thing. It's 20% of people that will say to you, I haven't slept at all last night. You know and actually, they're a bit fast asleep. <laughs> I think that's what, where I was, this morning when I woke up, I, I, I was convinced that I'd only had about two and a half hours sleep, three hours sleep. And your aura ring probably told you different. Exactly. Okay. We've got was, gadgets now. We didn't have I was them really years surprised because it said I had few wake-ups. It was only the one wake-up I remember going to the loo at some point. And I was like, wow, I slept way more than I thought, even though I thought yeah. I was like massively uh, um massively awake the whole night so it is interesting but um what i was going to say is the thing is with sleep and i didn't start now i know you you know a lot about sleep maybe our listeners don't um but i because you think oh what's the big deal with sleep right we do it naturally right so why do we need to study it why do we need to learn it and normally when i sort of teach issues i i teach sleep in terms of the techniques, I always go through the bad things first. I'm not going to do that today necessarily because I don't want to put anyone who's suffering from insomnia into a, a straight. But but the thing is, sleep does so much more than you can possibly imagine. Right? Every every aspect of your life is is going to be affected, whether it's yeah. quality of relationships, sure. your needs and your hormones, your metabolism, your propensity for diabetes or heart disease or injuries if you're a sports person. Is affected by your sleep your skin right your um you know cognition at work all of these obvious things um and once you kind of understand once i understood that but then also understood what were the what were the things that were stealing away my sleep such as you know the blue light and all this now these are these are fixes i would say not for like insomnia because i think most insomnia but i'm not an expert but you've alluded to it a little bit earlier ultimately might drive from some kind of issue that needs to be dealt with right let's say you're about to lose your house or you're about to you know there's no point. that's the biggest cause it's a yeah. short-term stressor and yeah. most people at some point will suffer short-term insomnia but then they overcome it because the stress goes away stress in, goes away. in my incidents the stress went away and the insomnia stayed but then you go into the habit so so also yeah. what i would say for you personally me looking at on the outside looking in is you you've created an identity around i'm an insomniac as opposed to i'm a person who occasionally has sleep issues or sleep like has insomnia occasionally. I don't know if I do. I, I think I would say I suffer from insomnia. I don't think I necessarily determine myself as an insomniac. I think I said at the start, okay. usually I sleep I, fine, but if I haven't got the, there's a psychological element to it because if I haven't got the, I haven't got the medication. My brain switches on and goes, you've run out, you've run out, you're not going to sleep. I just feel like there's a certain identity that's associated to it that you've, you've that maybe one might, not necessarily you, but one might become, because in most cases when I, when I deal with, um, talk to people about some, some issue we conflate the issue with the, the person and we say i am this or i am that yeah, yeah. A person who is transiently affected by this situation and and i have the same thing with with other aspects of my life where i i overly identify with a certain way of being right um as opposed to just noticing that that's a thing that happens so i think there's an element there if the trip if the stressor has gone like let's say that the, the house hasn't been foreclosed on or whatever then you've got into that habit and the, the body and the brain are so interlinked. That... I don't know. So I'm going to challenge it a little bit. So my stresses went 30 years ago in this particular incident. And I've had other stresses which have been much more significant that haven't triggered it either. 
And it's really hard to explain. This is why it's really difficult because you don't ever want to be disrespectful when someone's giving you advice. Usually you try to be really, really helpful. You know, I've had people say, imagine you're, you're on a boat going down a thing and breathe. And, and it's like, like, trust me, I've tried these things. And they, have, they haven't worked for one reason or another. There are things that do work, by the way. And I'm happy to go through what those things are for me. I think it's very individual. But for those that have suffered with, with genuine insomnia over a long period of time, and I'll relate this to the people that I do know that suffer. My mum is one, and I would argue there probably is a hereditary link here. With me and my mum suffer in very, very similar ways and different things. Or whether it's nurture, I don't know, but there's something in there. It's a feeling. I can almost call it when it happens. I, I can have this conversation now because of that feeling is not apparent. But there's a certain feeling that enters the body. It's a bit like if you suddenly have that, that moment of stress and you can feel it rising inside you. Yeah. So if my head's on the pillow and that feeling hits me and it's a feeling like I can't really explain. It's like a... It's like a hot flush going through your body. It's almost like my brain has switched on to something. And sometimes it, it comes in, sometimes it doesn't. There are triggers that cause it. One of those might be a running out of medication. And there are other things that could happen. Being somewhere uh, foreign, uh, having a, a running race the following day, you know, where there's anxiety on top and you have that, no, I really need to sleep. So if I need to sleep, you can trigger it. But it's a feeling like I can't explain that I've had in any other circle. Feelings are things that necessarily, you, you don't necessarily explain because they're kind of within the body, right? And so... What I wanted to say, I don't know if you've tried any of these sorts of things, but I remember it's interesting. There's some techniques within NLP that we do with feelings where you were you were being so descriptive there because you were saying it's a feeling that comes up. It's a hot flush. Or can't yeah. explain. We were doing some stuff actually with Paul McKenna today. And uh, so he's one of the speakers here and he was doing a technique called havening. I don't know if you know havening technique. That's it's, it's a bit of a weird one. I'm not practiced in it, but it, it you do lots of jiggery pokery with the mind and the body at the same time. And you, you, you kind of brush your, your arms and different aspects of your body. Really interesting. But what I want to say, not to explain these techniques, but there are really interesting techniques that get into that subconscious level where you're talking about that feeling you can't explain. It's got this color. Maybe it's got this texture. It's got this movement. And within NLP specifically, because I do know that, there are ways that we can, I don't know about for insomnia because I've never done it with that, but I've certainly done it with other people where we've may, managed to change what that actual feeling looks and feels like, that the level of, say, insomnia or the issue, let's say, went from a nine or a ten down yeah. to maybe a three or a two. Because it's like I say, it's a hard thing to explain. Um, I just want to put that out there as a thing to go in the back of your mind, just as this is why I say everything's solvable because there may be a technique that you don't know i know you've tried this navy seal stuff the cbti that uh you tried CBT. I've tried, I've tried cbt i mean obviously we're both trained in nlp so i haven't necessarily tried it i think one of the um one of the challenges is when, <laughs> and again not trying to be contrarian when you really want to sleep is when you're most tired as well right so it's very easy for you and I to talk practically about the methods you can try, but when it gets to 4 a.m. in the morning, you have to say, it, it's quite hard to concentrate well, on anything. We don't to get rid of any feelings. It's almost like it hits you at your worst moment because you're, well, you're not awake. Last night, I was, um, I was trying the progressive relaxation technique. Um, yeah. I think you know that. Yeah, where you, you, you scrunch your toes. You, the- you, yeah, you tense. Yeah, that, that's actually that, that is a, one of the things they recommend to try and help with insomnia and, and sleeplessness. Yeah, so I've, I've done that with clients. Yeah, I've done that with a few clients and it works for them. I would say that 99% out of, now this is not data driven, but just based on my experience. But firstly, again, from the workshops I lead, I would say 70% or more of the people in front of me are sleep deprived. And when I are, because I, I'd they, agree with that. 
they get less than the, the sleep needed. And actually the stats show something similar, if not more. And the average amount of sleep has gone down by an hour and a half in the last 30 or 40 years. Uh, but I would also say 99% of people that say they suffer from sleep issues are doing things that are not helping that issue at all. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, look, I think this, yeah, this, this relates like, to the way you live your life is always going to be different to mine, right? So I don't, you know, prevent all blue light entering. My, there are things I could certainly do to improve the situation, I'm sure. I, we have blue light on. I, I don't have red glasses on in front of the TV every night with shades with my kids or anything like that, right? I live... I don't want to use the word normal because I don't know what normal is, but I guess a more 2.4 children process. More common or more, free, a more regular lifestyle. Yeah, right. And, and, I, and I can tell you now, I'm not, I'm not going to adopt those things. I've got my sleep into a, um, I'm definitely sleep deprived, but it's at a level where it's manageable. I think that's the key thing. Um, and yes, there are more things I could do. I, I, I love my coffee. I won't drink caffeine after two o'clock. That's one of my things. I could probably stop it earlier than that. Two o'clock. Oh, I, I just thought I saw you drinking a can of Coke. Or was I mis mistaken? Is that I, I also said, well, yeah, you have here, but that's because there is, a, <laughs> there is an exception to the rule today, I will say. And that's because I'm picking up a medication later. And I'm not too worried because tonight I'm knocking myself out. That is happening because uh, I'm, I'm about three days in with that medication. I'm struggling. So I've kind of uh, gone fly by night at the moment. Uh, but typically I won't. I'm a big coffee fan. But there are certainly things you can do that help it. Um, that I could do more of for sure. But then you, it's it's the whole, if you go back to a coaching philosophy, when I say yes to that, what am I saying no to? And, you know, if I say yes to blue light glasses and, and red things, I'll be saying no to something else in the way that I live my life at the moment. Um, if I say... What do you think you would be saying no to though? Let's say, that, and I'm not advocating blue light blocking glasses to everyone or anyone, although I do find them to be very useful. But what would you be saying no to? What are the things I'd need to do? So you've got specific bulbs in your house. You have no Wi-Fi in your house. You turn off all your Bluetooth anywhere within the sleeping zone. You have uh, certain apps and things across the board. I don't know what these things are, but they're, they're pretty... The, you, the amount of changes you make in your life it's are pretty not, significant, no, right no, down to the ions in your water. You, are, you, are, you, are you familiar with Flux? The free software product that you just install on any laptop or PC or whatever... You tell, it knows where you are geographically because of they know everything anyway. You tell it what time you wake up, what time you go to bed, and it will automatically start to strip the blue light out of your screen without you having to do anything. I, you, I've installed it years ago. I, I don't look at it anymore. What about the TV? Well, the TV, for me, I, I wear my, my blue light blocking glasses. I don't care that I'm wearing those. I don't, I don't care what the kids think when I'm wearing glass. That's It's not that. I think we just live very, very different lives. You can, you've got so much commitments yeah. we have are so different. Yeah, and the experiences we want to have. I don't want to sit in front of Netflix with a pair okay. of red red glasses and everything's red. I don't want to do that. That's, so that's, that's what I'm saying no to. I want to watch TV in the colours they were designed to be. Well, that's what I'm trying to get. But by the way, I would say, I would say, just so you know, that I actually have two sets of glasses. One is red, which I don't tend to wear in front of the TV because it does make everything red and it gets confusing. The other ones are more amber, darker amber than the ones you've got there. Um, so you still get some colour. Although what I would say is I remember I was watching TV uh, programme with my sister. <laughs> and my sister is a TV and movie director. I'm not sure if you knew this or not. And <laughs> she was so annoyed because at the time she was working in front of the, on her laptop, colour grading or working to colour grade her show. <laughs> and I'm like... And you just I'm just put your glasses on. I, I, I just I'm not going to watch your show with the color grading you put on because for me, if I say yes to watching the TV normally, uh, I'm saying no to quality sleep, right? And for me, that's more important. 
Yeah. Uh, so this, I think that's the point is that I'm not, you know, when you're saying yes to anything, you're saying no to something else. So I'll make some sacrifices and we live our lives differently. And I'll make more than other people and make less than others. Um, I think it's, I do think there's a difference in the way that we live our lives though. So having two kids at home and yeah, running, but... running a business and all the other bits and pieces will throw different stresses on my life to the stresses that you have in yeah. yours. And we're going to make different choices on the back of that. I guess um, my, my point with all this is that, that I don't like, so you get on your what bike every day pretty much for an hour right so that's built into your habit that's built into your routine and, and everything so it's not i imagine a ma- it might be a bit of a, a motivation or a chore to get on sometimes but by and large it might almost be like brushing your teeth right you just do it and, and you don't really think about it too much for a lot of things i do yes there's always a bit of an on-ramp where you have to kind of get familiar with things or change things or whatever but after a bit it becomes habitualized or routinized. I don't disagree with that, but you don't have to compromise in your life either because I'm living with no, two kids it. and a wife and it's to oh, make that work and it works very well with 15 years married, you know, plus yeah. been together over 20, you know, you know my wife, right? That does come with compromise as well. So yeah. some of these choices, I can't just make whether I want to make them or not. There are times like yesterday, actually, I didn't do my workout yesterday because work just got too much. And actually, if I asked myself the choice, I would love to have got my Watt bike and done a, done a brick session for about two hours but to do that would have meant that I would have no, I ended up doing nothing, sat on the sofa, watched TV with my wife because I hadn't seen her all day. That was the yeah. compromise because it would have been rude for me to ignore, to not spend any time with her to have done that. So I think that's just one example that happened yesterday. But there's compromise that has to be had as well. So again, when you're saying, if I was saying yes to that workout yesterday, I'd have been saying no to spending time with my wife, despite that's probably what I'd prefer to have done for me. But we're a team, so you've got to make those sacrifices. I just think it's different. I never come away from sleep now. It, it is I just think it's, it's um it is different i just i i would say that for me you don't have to do everything right and if i look at say some of the big things that i i would do the, the weirdest one which is the, is definitely the glasses because that's a weird thing when you've got people around right the lights for me not so much of a big deal because i think swapping out a few light bulbs here and there i know people that do it but like magnesium again i don't think a massive big deal because you do that anyway, I think. I see, yeah, yeah, I take it, take my um, The caffeine curfew you've already got in place. Um, morning sun, morning sunshine. Actually, I would recommend to people because that sets your melatonin off for the for the day. If you can get yeah, that, in. Well, I tend to go for run, so I usually get that as well. So exactly. So like, there's certain things that we do. I mean, the biggest tip I would give if we're going back to sleep, and this will be contrarian to most advice, right? Probably your own. For me, it works better than anything else, and I know it's a bit like the thirst argument, right? So I, I'm, I'm preempting what i think you'll say and i, yeah, I might be completely wrong okay. so apologies if I, yeah okay if we, if, we, if, if we talk about water i do you know i don't tend to get thirsty but I, you know they always say if you drink when you're thirsty you've left it too late as he says as he grabs his bottle of water right so you should drink before you get those symptoms for sleep i mentioned earlier if i have an early night i, I won't that's it that's like yeah. the the sword of damage i i'm in trouble sword of damage is coming in there there's no chance i'm going off i've had an early night and that's i'm sure that's psychological but it is what it is however it's a bit like if i go to bed when i'm tired for me, I'll sleep. Yeah. A doctor will say, or, or a specialist will say, create a great sleep environment and have a routine, go to bed at the same time every night. That habitual thing you were talking about will kick yeah. in and you'll you'll have a much better sleep health that way. For me, that's never worked. I, yeah. The best advice I would give to someone who's genuinely suffered from serious chronic insomnia is go to bed when you're tired, listen to your body in that respect. When you're tired is the optimal time. If you hit their head, it's the pillow. Your body will you have, a, you have a less latency 
and you'll drop off. If you try and beat the system, try and beat what your body's telling you, certainly in my instance, I will try and beat it because I know sleep is good and I know I'm sleep deprived. That's when I can't, I can't beat my own internal system. It says, just says no. So, you know, I don't get it. I very rarely go to bed at the same time as my wife, but I'll go as soon as I feel tired because I don't want to fall asleep on the sofa because if I wake up, I won't get back down. That's the trigger. Go straight to bed, go straight down, and I'm off. You're you're probably not going to have thought that. I I actually agree with you. And I don't often go to bed at the same time each night. I go to bed. I often don't agree with you. (laughs) I agree with you. I I would agree, go to bed when you're tired. And what I would say is that most people are not putting themselves in a situation to, to do that. What do I mean? When I do a lot of my teaching, whether it's sleep or anything else, I'm always trying to go closer to nature. So what what would it be like in nature? Now, in nature, we wouldn't, except for if you're in Estonia in the middle of July, like I am, uh, because it's light up until midnight, but usually it's dark. Now, I've got artificial lights on here because I know my mate's going to come in in a second. Uh, He's just gone to buy some fireworks for the 4th of July. He wants to set off somewhere. Um, But... He's going to come in anyway. And so there's no point in me putting lights off and doing anything. And I might go out later anyway. But if you can, if you, if I create an environment myself, like I'm staying at my sister's house and they've got their lights on, I'll find that at the time that I'm normally tired, I'm not going to be tired because for me, I'll be wired. Like I've had like three or four coffees. And so I won't feel that tired. And also what happens if people think, oh, you know, I've been tired all day. Then it comes to like 10 o'clock and then suddenly I'm wide awake. And that's the second wind, as sometimes people yeah, call it. Yeah, yeah. The second wind, the simplest way I explain it to people is what would normally have been happening is that energy, if you were asleep, is being used to heal your body. But because you're not asleep, your body's got energy that it's going to use up. So that's where your second wind comes from. But had you been asleep at that time, you would have been asleep and that energy would have been used for that. And so if you're, and I have, the reason I'm pushing back a little bit, not because I'm pushing back on you specifically as someone who's um, experienced insomnia for 30 years, I'm pushing back on all the other delegates and people that come to me go, oh, I've got all these sleep issues. And I think, well, what are you doing the two hours before bed? You've got every light on in the house. You're watching the news. You're doing all this. And you're telling your brain and your body it's daylight. You're telling your brain and your body that it needs to be stimulated. So I, I actually do sometimes watch, I often watch TV, but I, uh, but I won't go on, say, social media or anything that requires almost two-way input or anything too stressful because it will wake the mind up. A nice little comedy movie, fine. But if you're not doing things in that hour or two before bed that is going to be conducive to you getting sleep, yes, you're going to feel awake. Um, I actually do go to bed when I'm tired. And this is why one of the, one of the rules I have, uh, which will be in the book, uh, which hopefully will come out in a few months' time, called Nine After Nine. So nine is no in German. So nine after nine, or some people like to say it's nine for 90, no for 90. So 90 minutes before you go to bed or you plan on going to bed, I start to chill things out. So I'll you know dim the lights, have the blue light blockers on. Um, and one thing I tend to do is I turn away the time. So up until I got my aura ring for years, I never knew what time I went to bed because I would do exactly what you say, which is go to bed when you're tired. You're tired, yeah. So I would turn so I would turn things off at nine because I said nine after nine. And sometimes I might be going to bed at 10. But actually, what I worked out when I did get my aura ring much later, I was probably going to bed more like half 11, 12. So I was going to bed later. And so that's what I would say. So I, I do agree with you, right? Go to bed when you're tired, especially if you're an insomniac. And I would also put those conditions as the optimal as you can in your environment with who you're around and blah, blah, blah. 
so that in that 90 minutes, two hours before bed, you're telling your body it's like this. So if I took you camping, for example, and we went camping in the Lake District and we're away from na- natural lights and we were hiking all day. I remember when I did the Edinburgh uh, gold hike when I was 18, 19, <laughs> we were getting up at like four or five in the morning and I was in bed by about five in the afternoon because it was quite dark mm-hmm. as well. And we, we yeah. just slept. And then we got up at like four and did the rest of the hike. But you tend to, and there was a study I put in the book somewhere where they took um, a bunch of people to the desert somewhere and what and they took their mobile phones i think it was in a different chapter of my book i think it was to do with the digital technology chapter but they were talking about how people had better conversations they slept better and all this and you go into your natural melatonin cycle so for example one of the things that does affect my sleep massively which I, i talked about last time i think was um eating late when i was on that holiday in greece and i'm yeah. not sure if i did or not but it really affected my ordering scores because your body has different body clocks like your liver your kidney all that they they shut off at different times and they they get their receptors from light that one of the ways that we regulate our our internal body clock is through light the others are are different ways and so if you're if you're constantly having light and blue light exposed and eating late and doing all this this is what happened to me on saturday for example saturday i arrived in Tallinn at midnight came here I had to put the lights on because it was a new place and I was trying to unpack my stuff. Then before I knew it, it was like 1.30 and I was like, feeling a bit energized, so I'll go for a walk. So I went for a walk and because I wasn't asleep, I was hungry and I ended up going and getting, um, believe it or not, although it was a plant-based and I managed to get them to give me a gluten-free bun, uh, Burger King, right? Oh, there you go. Three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning, 24-hour Burger King up in town. And then I got back and I couldn't sleep because my body is not used to eating at three o'clock in the morning it felt awake so i ended up watching something i shouldn't watch before going to bed a new apple show called hijack i didn't want to watch it before on the plane it's good though isn't it it's good it It is good that plane hijacking so i didn't i started first two episodes before my flight and i thought i'm not going to watch that before my flight i'll watch it later and and the thing next thing i know i wouldn't even proud of me i went to bed at like 4 30 in the morning on i'm not proud i'm not one of these people that champions it i'm I have nothing but respect but and admiration saying, and, what I'm and is jealousy for my wife who goes to bed at an ordinary hour and goes straight to sleep. It's, I don't know how she does it. do the things that most people do, right? Watch the news, turn, keep the lights on, drink late into the evening, have coffees. Well, I'm not going to sleep either. I'm not going to sleep. It's an interesting either. point here, actually, that I want to raise. And I haven't really done any research on this. It just kind of popped into my head um, as you were talking. So, I would admit, and you can see the bangs under my eyes, that, you know, I know when I have a good night's sleep, so I'm rubbing my eyes now, right? That I'm definitely sleep, chronically sleep deprived, probably. And I, my body has adapted and got used to it. Doesn't mean I don't need it. And I, I'm very happy to make that admission. What's interesting is my wife will go to bed at, I don't know, earlier than me. She's not, I wouldn't say probably normal times. She goes straight to sleep. I'll go to bed maybe two hours later, whatever, whatever time that might be. But I'll still wake earlier as well. Mm. So you would think, and that's a natural thing with no alarm set. You would think then on that basis that if I need it, your body would catch up, but it doesn't. And we're, we're creatures of routine anyway. But mm. if we both went, it doesn't matter. So I would argue in that in my instance, my wife, that she just needs more sleep than me because her body doesn't actually wake her up. Mine does. I'm up and out. I'm done. Because you're also very A-type go-get. I mean, look, right? You have on three podcasts, you write your play, you've got a business, you're launching in another territory. You've got all of these things going on. So you're very excited. And this is what I tell people about the B-model, right? You can find people who have got the energy and the passion and enthusiasm of a five-year-old who sleep three hours a night and 
eat this and do that. And they've got more energy than anyone you know. That will last. But for how long is the question? And what yeah. are they? All right? the science it tells you lack of sleep right? encourages diabetes, diabetes cancer, premature death. I'm fully aware. My wife always says to me, you're going to die before me. And she's probably absolutely Well, right. technically, men tend to die before the wives anyway. Right. Well, she's older than me, but maybe not. But I think, I think what's interesting, <laughs> though, I have to throw that back at her. But... It's in, I just think it's interesting that irrespective of what time we go we go down, whether I need it or not, my body still says, right, time to get up, time to go up. But, it, but I also, and I don't know if there's a connection. What she, never remember, she never remembers her dreams. I remember all of mine, lucid. So I feel like I'm awake even earlier than that. This morning, I had the first ever dream, by the way, I've ever had. And I, and I mentioned this because we talked about it in the small T trauma piece. Well, I don't like water because my mum always dreamt for years and years, chronic um, dreams she had every single year that I would drown. And she probably won't want to hear this. Yeah. But yesterday or this morning, literally this morning, I dreamt I drowned before I woke up and I died in my dream, which I haven't done in an awful long time. And I literally drowned. My dream was I jumped. There were loads of pools of water. I'll just explain it because this was a bit. And my first thought was my mum's not going to like this. I wasn't too freaked out by it. I'm assuming I think there were dream tellers and maybe there's a message in here somewhere that we'll yet to understand. Yeah. I can't even remember watching anything related to it because usually it's your brain compartmentalizing memories that happened in the day or whatever. But the dream this morning, I, explain, I always remember my dreams. And um. I'm definitely quite, quite a, as I say, a lucid dream. And I, I remember them and I love the stories and I don't want to come out of them. And actually, believe it or not, you can train yourself to stay in them. If anyone, anyone else is a lucid dreamer and wants to dream more, there's a, t- there's a tip here. I'll go back. If you have three large glasses of water before you go to bed, you will def- your body will wake you up to go to the loo. But before you wake up, you'll hit that lucid dreaming phase. <laughs> if you have three glasses of water, it's probably the magical thing if you want to have more lucid dreams. And if you write them down and keep a dream diary, you're, again, that habitual piece is your brain gets used to being in that process, and you can Did dream. You know more. Charlie Morley. Charlie Morley, he's speaking here at Mind Valley. You'd like it. He's the world expert on lucid dreaming. I've seen him ah, speak. Oh, good. I'd love that. That'd and be he's great. By a Mind Valley Quest. Um, okay. I'll, I'll forward on. The- You're right up my street. But anyway, this morning, so pools of water. I have set because it's my mum's probably going to listen to this, and um, I'm not going to not going to advertise it. And I, checked that I saw there was a kid jumping off uh, like a huge bridge into this water. And I was like, oh, what's, what's below that? And there was another pool. And then this pool was like a really shallow, like a, a, a constricted cave. And he kind of jumped in. So I jumped in and it was so thin, the cave. But as I went under, I got, I went on as a, you know, like a pencil dive, which is what the kid had done off, the, off this big bridge that was next to it. And I didn't know what was down there. So I just took, I took what I thought was the safe route and, and dived into this like hole into a cave. But it was, it was thinner than I thought. And I went further than I thought. So I went down and basically got stuck. And because my arms were next to me in a pencil dive, I couldn't get them out. And I just got stuck in the cave. And no, I couldn't, I couldn't push, my, push my way up because I you know, jumped into it and got stuck. And I couldn't get out. And I remember looking up and I literally just drowned in my dream and came out. Very strange. Probably you know, if I end up drowning in the next week or so, remember this moment, recorded it, and uh, I'll go back to my mum. I've been doing my daily swims here, so I, I actually did think of you this morning, I think, when I was in the pool. Um, I don't know why. Just oh, Not in the pool. I was in the sea, actually, here. Uh, I don't know if it's the North Sea. But um, but also, uh, one of the, something I wanted to say a while back, way, way back, about 20 minutes ago, um, where you were talking about um, that if you have one bad night, not to stress about it, but then when it becomes four, reframing, yeah. But one of the things I read, and you might have read this book, but I quite liked it. The main thing I took away from it, it's a very small book. I think it's it's called Sleep by Nick Littlehales or something. What he talked about is rather than think about hours per night, and he uses this with a lot of athletes. He used to train Man United and Arsenal. And this helped with one, one of my other friends who um, is a bit of an insomniac as well. Think of cycles per week. 
and how many cycles. So yeah. a cycle so typically for most people is, and I use this, especially when I'm in things like Mind Valley, is typically 90 minutes. The average cycle is somewhere between 70 and 100 minutes, usually 90 minutes. For me, it's about 90 minutes cycle. That's when you go through the stages. There's depends how you measure sleep, but generally there's two or three or four stages, depending on how you do it. There's non-REM, REM, and, and deep sleep. And then you've got the transition yeah. and awake and transition. They cycle through And the whole cycle takes about 90 minutes. And the, the portion of like dream sleep is bigger at the end of the night than the beginning and deep sleep. It's usually dream and REM sleep, don't you? Dream and REM. Yeah, that's actually the reason why I find it hard to get up in the morning. Not because I'm tired, but because mm. I really enjoy getting into the into the dream and i want to go back to it so i might go back for another 90 minute cycle to get an extra dream in anyway he's talking about cycles so you need let's say uh if i need seven and a half hours that's what's that five cycles in a night so five 90 minute cycles so let's say i only get six hours sleep then that's he actually advocates this which i don't let's say your, your bedtime is 10 30 so you can get up at six that'll be seven yeah. cycles and you come home from the pub or your night out at 11, uh, 10, 40. He will say, stay up till midnight and then go to bed and get enter into that next cycle, um, which might not be that hard at that time. But if you got home at five past midnight and you normally go to bed at, say, 10, 30, there's no way I'm going to stay up till 1.30 just to get the cycles. And then you can add the cycles the next day. Yeah. And- yeah, 30 minute nap. To be honest, I, I, I actually follow something like that. I, I can't remember if I've read the book or not. So for those listening, I used to have another business called Insomnia Store, which was all when I, yeah. years ago when I was suffering. I felt like the advice given in those days, it may have improved, was really poor. Um, and I was really passionate about discovering how I could create a better, well, basically a, a holistic solution to my own sleeplessness. And it evolved into baby sleep as well. I studied baby sleep and I've read lots of books about sleep paralysis and different things. And I was I ended up becoming an advisory site for people that struggled. So, and this was going back ten years. So my research is is out of date, and I can't remember all of it. But at the time, I was obviously having a, a very live and popular website helping people that were struggling with sleeplessness. And it's a really tricky thing. And it something that helped, and it may have been that book. I don't remember the name of the author, but I read a book that was similar. But even now, it's kind of helped through. So if I am going to bed late, I will often move my alarm if I need to wake up at a specific time. Or I want to wake up. I will wait. I will measure it to the end of that sleep cycle. I, I base mine on 80 minutes. So I'll work out how many sleep cycles I can get. I'm going to bed particularly late. I'll go, okay, this was later than I wanted to go. Maybe I play poker with my friends or whatever, and it's 2 a.m. I'll actually say to Lucy, I'm not going to get up until, and it'll be quite a specific time. It'll be something like, I don't know, 8.40, because I know that will give me a chance to finish off that last cycle, and I'm done. Because the worst time, and often when people, we've talked about this before, when you're waking up and you're feeling really groggy every morning, even if you've had eight or nine hours, it could just be that your alarm is set in the middle of that deep sleep cycle and your body doesn't want to wake up from it. So you want to try and work out when your cycles, how long your cycles are, and things like all things can help with that, but also when, you, when you're going to wake up. Because if you can wake up at the end of an REM cycle, actually, you can have, maybe only have two or three cycles of sleep, but you can feel really refreshed because it's a natural yeah. point of waking up. You don't want your alarm set at a time when you're in deep sleep, which is why when we had a previous episode, I said, sometimes moving your alarm forward can yeah. actually and having less sleep can actually make you feel way more energized than moving it back or pressing snooze because you know you're preventing yourself from going into the deeper sleep cycle um but yeah. actually yeah, i just thought eventually it's interesting well, this I, is I one, of, one of the bugbears i've got with uh, the aura ring i love the aura ring but i have mentioned this to them before and i presume they don't do it because of battery life and it, and it will be re-engineering but they're missing a massive trick they should have haptic feedback on on the ring that then wakes you up when you're in your lightest yeah. sleep 
uh, yeah, 100%. And I don't understand why they're not doing that, other than the fact it might drain battery life and add a whole new level of complexity to have a vibrating rechargeable battery in there. Because that's that, for me, is an obvious one for having it on your finger. Because it doesn't wake your partner up. And, you'll, and it's as accurate as it can possibly be compared to some of the other ones that do this. Uh, like the, I think there's a way that there's apps that do it, but they do it for your breathing and the turning and it's not very accurate. So I think they need to do that because I'm often, I don't really judge it by that. I, I, I tend to wake up when I want to wake up unless I've got an appointment, in which case, you know, maybe at 6 a.m. But also my, not to give you too much information, I was saying to my mate this morning, my bowel movements are very regular ever since I've changed a lot of my sleep pattern and diet and everything. So I know like 6 a.m. bowel movements are going to start and it's almost like my internal alarm clock a lot of the time. But I so, think something which, which I know you've read this and, and I told you I'm reading the oxygen advantage at the minute. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm hoping that might help with my sleep. I'm wondering if I overbreathe. Yeah. And like most yeah. of us are chronic overbreathers and um, I'm hoping to try and follow some of those techniques and get my yeah. bolt score and seeing if I can work out if my breathing can improve my... Are you going to try taping overnight? Because I, I did that for a number of, probably about a year. Uh, has, have you got to that bit in the book? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. So, but maybe we'll have a, a separate episode on when I finish the book. We'll have a chat about either the book or about breathing. I know you're really passionate about, about breathing, um, but mouth taping is a good one. I've been trying to get my mate to do it because his wife really moans at me about his the guy snoring, and that's one way to get rid of the snoring. And you know, you just put a tiny little bit of tape across your mouth, like the size of your fingernail. Yeah. Um, and it it's just not stopped your mouth from opening if you need to in an emergency, but subconsciously you know it's there. And when I do that, I tend, tend to be a nose breather anyway overnight now because of changes I've made. But you wake up with more energy because you're not breathing through your mouth. You're not losing, you're not as dehydrated when you wake up because you don't lose I, water. I think I am a nose breather anyway. I think. I, think well, I, I thought system. I was. I thought I was. And then when yeah. you take it, I was waking up at points in the night going, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And it's only after about a month or two of practice that I then. Didn't. So I, I think I'm a nose breather, but then my wife will often say, Nick, you're catching flies, which suggests to me I'm not that. And then wild wide open. So I want to find out. Yeah. Anyway, it's been good. It's been good chat. It's been good today. Talk about sleep. I know you've got Mind Valley to get to, and you're two hours ahead of me. So, um... Um, well, yeah, I'm not going to do much tonight. I don't think I, my mate still hasn't turned up with the fireworks. So God knows whether he found them. He said, I'll be back in half an hour. That was an hour and a half ago. And I've still got his left. I made him a stir fry here with the, the stuff I've got oh, nice. still there. So well, I, I suspect we've probably got more to explore on the sleep uh, chat. I think it'd be good to get into yes. the, the brain waves and, and, and a bit more of your book stuff as well that, you, that you've been researching. So, um let, let's let's tackle this again i think yeah it's a big topic good. yeah big topic for one hour it's not you can never cover it in an hour there's, there's loads we can get to i uh, certainly loads that i'd like to talk about in terms of what i used to talk you know when i had the the insomnia site going and some of the um not my ailments but actually you might better help others with other types of sleeplessness they're struggling with and may have some advice for those and I'll, I'll try and dig out some of the inquiries i used to get um and some of the things that are out there for helping people but so as you say you know we, we're very conscious about other things that we do like being hydrated or eating our food but often we don't think about the two other things we really need. One of those, of course, is the way that we breathe. We don't breathe, we die, right? And and if we don't sleep, we're in big trouble as well. And there are four things that really are central to our well-being. Um, and I think food and, and we talked about nutrition briefly before, hydration being another we're definitely going to tackle. But actually sleep has a huge part to play right. in our overall being as well. And, and by the way, please don't, don't think I'm dismissive in anything that you've said. I just, I no, think no, it's no. Such, a, such an individual thing. I'm yeah. very open to trying. It is, hard. it is hard when you've lived with something for a long time, especially when people are coming from it who maybe haven't lived that experience, which is always, I yeah. mean, no one has ever lived anyone else's experience, generally speaking, uh, because we're all no. 
But I've also got a non-evasive solution. And I know it's a drug-based solution, but it's really non-evasive. I take very, very, very rarely. So I, I'll, I'll get um, prescribed, you know, now they've reduced it, um, but say eight weeks supply. And that'll last me six months. Mm. so you know it's just for me it's a that's why i know it's a psychological problem because if i don't have it i struggle and when i have it i don't so it's um i know it's all in my mind and I'm no, well, I would have loved it. if you've been in that session today with uh, the session he was talking about uh, paul mckenna was I, I can make you rich but it wasn't about necessarily money but i would love to see you on stage with doing from like say someone like a paul mckenna or someone like that and and seeing if they can do some jiggery pokery because if it because it is a mental thing um and, is, you, yeah. and, you, and you're trying to it's a subconscious thing that you're trying to consciously correct, whereas you need to correct. Consciously yeah, yeah, no, I, get it. I get it. Well, let's definitely come back to this. I think it's interesting. I hope it's interesting for our listeners as well. But Harry, you've got, um, we're going to have loads to talk about at the end of your Mind Valley University. So let's catch up next week and find out what you've been learning. I mean, I would love well, yeah, to. Yeah, well, this is the first of three weeks, so I'll still be here. So I'm, I'm, I'm here till the end of July. Crazy. Amazing. Is that on for three weeks? Is it? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. There we go. Because of the work that you do, this is all tax deductible. Exactly. There we go. Happy days. All right, guys. It's really good to see you. Enjoy the fireworks whenever they come back. All right, Harry. Catch you soon, mate. Take care. Cheers, man. Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios. We hope you found our discussion insightful and gained valuable takeaways to support you on your journey. Please, please, please do leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that's resonated with you with a friend or a family member who you think may also find it valuable. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. In the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and ideas to support your personal growth. For now, thank you for your support and we look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Mindful Path Podcast real soon.